Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So we're coming off of the Iowa caucuses and heading into the New Hampshire primary. It is clear with Donald Trump's very decisive win, winning with 50 percent of the vote, biggest win in caucus history, that he's the guy. You know, DeSantis's only shot really was to try to win Iowa and get a bounce after that. That didn't happen. So there's no lane for him left. Nikki Haley is going to try to perform in New Hampshire, but she'll likely lose and then potentially lose in her home state of South Carolina. So there's not really a, a lane for her. But we're going to check in with Robert Kahali of the Trafalgar Group. They nailed the Iowa caucuses. They got their numbers right. We'll talk to him about why he was accurate and others weren't. Also, is my reading of this correct? Is there a lane for anyone else or is it over? We'll also get his talk on the general election, what he thinks is going to go down there. Are there any groups like young voters or minorities that might surprise us? Also, what are the big issues dominating the general election? We're going to get into all of it with Robert Kahali, who always has such insightful things to say. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Robert. Stay tuned. Robert, it's always great to have you on the show. I love hearing your insight. And, you know, as we move beyond Iowa and head into New Hampshire, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. So appreciate you making the time. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, it's, you know, great to be able to expand on kind of what we're thinking and uh, what we're seeing out there, because I know you have an audience that uh, is well tuned in into this kind of political, uh, I guess, with palace intrigue. (laughs) And um, it's, it's fun to do it. Well, let's brag on you for a minute. So you got the Iowa caucuses correct. And the caucuses are not easy to pull and to try to figure out. Why do you think you were able to get it right? And maybe others sort of miss the mark a little bit. Well, I think there's a number of factors. Uh, one, we really uh, measured some voter intensity and uh, looked at as the, you know, we saw that the weather was going to be quite a factor. And uh, we were able to kind of ask some questions in a way that gave us a better, in, you know, better intention on whether people, what, the, what they really wanted to do and, and how strongly they planned on participating. Because you know, when you, when you just let people say, oh, I, yes, I plan to vote, that's an easy answer. 
and sometimes you get an overflow of people who really don't have any intention to vote and don't really know much about what's going on. So one of the filters we use is have people ever voted in a caucus before? How consistently have they voted in Iowa caucuses? Because, you know, when you start talking about 10 below zero, you're only going to get the most dedicated caucus voters. And so it part of that is the filtering mechanism. And um, and I think part of it is is to actually find people that were really tuned in because while the nation didn't watch the CNN debate, a lot of people in Iowa did. And that, that debate was uh, one where, by most accounts, Haley really uh, kind of got called out by DeSantis on a lot of things. And and so we, we saw some shifting after that poll among people who said, excuse me, after that show, among people who said they had watched the uh, CNN debate. Well, what's interesting is I was wondering if the sub-zero temperatures would end up being a curveball. I mean, it did depress turnout a little bit. You know, you had about 15 percent of registered Republicans turnout. That's less than previous years. And I was wondering if it would impact Trump just because, you know, he's sort of seen as inevitable. And if someone's seen as inevitable, their people might be like, you know what? Enough people are going to turn out and support him. I don't need to get out. But that's not what happened. And he won with 50% of the vote, the biggest win in caucus history. What does that tell you about where the Republican electorate is today? Obviously with him, but beyond that. What we have found, uh, and we always say it's really kind of funny when you ask, okay, who's your second choice? And what we found is, you know, most voters will tell us who the second choice is. But then we have a great number of them, uh, Trump voters, Actually, you use the majority of Trump voters say Trump. And we say, all right, no, no, okay. If Trump isn't an option, who's your second? Trump. And what that tells us is there is an intensity. Uh, most of these Trump voters are on a mission, but they are, they're so angry at what they see uh, on television, at what they read in the news, and what they see in, in the world that it's just an itch and the only way to scratch it is to vote and it is it's like they've got to do this to feel like they're taking some kind of a stand against what they're seeing and 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 that's you know that's how i would describe a large number of trump voters around the country is they're just they're fed up and the way that they're going to show that, the way that they're going to demonstrate that, the way that they're going to scratch that itch even a little bit is to vote. DeSantis, who I have a, a ton of respect for, you know, I've made that known, I have a ton of respect for Trump too, but, you know, look, he put a lot of stock into Iowa, you know, and he ended up losing by by 30 points, put a lot of money, a lot of time into Iowa. Why do you think he fell so short? What do you, you know, based on, you know, polling and, and what you've experienced in Iowa, why, why do you think he fell so short? People want to blame it on him, and I, I just really don't. Um, I, you know, certainly he is not the best candidate. While he has this incredible record as governor, he, he he's not the best candidate. You know, he's not the best retail politician, but he certainly was trying, and he was making the effort in person. But I think as all these indictments started to, to ring up and everything, there just there came a Republican. Uh, unity of this isn't going to fly. I'm not going to let this stand. And even if they preferred DeSantis, uh, they just said, well, the, you know, the only way to, to push back is to be for Trump. And I think 
all the trouble that's happened and all the, 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 the Biden and administration uh, attacks and everything that's happened against Trump have more, done more to make Trump than, and at the same time, they've kind of undone DeSantis. Uh, and so, you know, I've always said from this primary, there was there were two lanes. It was kind of an America first lane and an establishment lane. And Trump just started to consolidate the America first lane. And when, since that represents about, um, you know, 50, 50 or so percent of the vote, it absolutely uh, has a huge impact uh, when the voters go to the polls and and when they when they kind of got behind they united behind Trump. It, just DeSantis was the victim of it. You mentioned that establishment lane. You know, Nikki Haley fits the bill. You know, we're heading into New Hampshire where she's hoping that, you know, she does better than Iowa. But it, it's really hard to see a lane for anyone else, really, besides Trump at this point. Because if you're DeSantis, Iowa's really like the place where, you know, if you're going to make a stand, that was going to be it. You know, he's not really set up for New Hampshire or South Carolina. And Nikki Haley set up for New Hampshire, but it looks like she's down pretty significantly and then she might lose her home state. So is there a lane left for anyone or, or is it pretty much game over? It's politics. Anything can happen. But at this point, no, I don't see much of a lane. Um, and frankly, I think that Haley has, has to really, I think she probably, to continue, I think she would have to win New Hampshire. Because I don't know whether she has calculated what getting devastated in South Carolina will do to her, but I think that it it becomes kind of part of somebody's obituary. I mean, we still talk about the, the fact that Gore will be president, but for the fact he lost Tennessee, and, and I think it, it it will be hard for her to go on in politics if she gets walloped in South Carolina, and. So if she doesn't come out of New Hampshire with a, a complete head of steam and a complete um, uh, vindication and uh, be able to make the case to donors that this is a safe investment, then I can't see her going on to South Carolina. Uh, but again, you know, that's a political calculus that, that, that I see uh, thinking about things the way that I do. That may not be the way they Haley sees it, but you know I'm thinking about uh, what I would think if I were Haley about what my future looks like, and to get uh, devastated in South Carolina, I don't think bodes well for her uh, electability in the future. Yeah, I mean, look, if if I was working on either DeSantis or well, I wouldn't be working on Haley, but if I was working on either of their <laughs> campaigns, I, I've made my disdain for Nikki Haley very uh, known. But if if I was working on either of them, I would be like, you know, for DeSantis. I would be like, if you lose Iowa, you got to drop out because at this point it's time to save face, unite behind Trump, you know, let's fight the greater evil. And then, you know, if you're Haley, same thing. If she loses New Hampshire, you don't want to get crushed in her home state, as you just pointed out. So, you know, I'd, I'd probably like would advise, you know, Haley makes sense for her to stick in until New Hampshire at least. But it's like if you're DeSantis, I feel like you got to drop out now, save some face before getting crushed in New Hampshire and then South Carolina. And if you're Nikki Haley, you got to drop out after getting crushed in New Hampshire before getting disgraced in your home state where you were governor. But then again, you know, it's possible Haley could lose um, New Hampshire and and give a speech on a, on the night she loses that sounds like a victory speech because she clearly had the wrong speech in the teleprompter when she um, 
came in third in Iowa. I mean, you really would have thought that she, she was on the way to the nomination the way she was talking. So, uh, you know, I, that was kind of surprising to me. I, I, I thought she really had just literally was given the wrong speech. It, it you know, maybe, maybe somebody didn't tell her she came in third. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like professional athletes when, you know, they just don't know when to bow out, you know, <laughs> like, you know, bow out after the state, you know, or after, uh, you know, the Super Bowl when you're, you know, old and you're kind of on your last leg. It's like people just never know when to, uh, you know, kind of gracefully bow out, it seems. As we look ahead at what will likely and inevitably be Trump versus Biden, uh, where do things stand today, uh, obviously knowing that we still have a lot of time between now and November? I think right now what, what you're seeing is uh, Trump has a degree of strength. But what has not happened yet is the Democrat Party is um, leaps and bounds ahead of the Republican Party uh, when it comes to organizing their assets and organizing their uh, their funders to do the kind of work that needs to be done. When you look at the kind of things they've done with Arabella and nonprofits, uh, they, are, they, they will start to raise money and start messaging. And they've already started in some of the states with ads uh, on issues that are starting to kind of cook the electorate toward their, their direction. And what I fear is that the traditional thing will happen. The Republicans will wait until months before the election to even start ad campaigns. Then, you know, spend the money with people who run lackluster cookie cutter ads, uh, as they've done in the past. Uh, big consultants and brokers will, you know, buy a new yacht or a new vacation home with the with the with the money they've sucked out of uh, these efforts, and the Democrats will be able to move the electorate and make this election very very competitive, and uh, you know fund some of the shenanigans and nonsense in some of the states where they have lax uh, laws uh, regarding voter harvesting and absentees and all that stuff. And so I think they can make it much more competitive. Uh, you know, I say what my general feeling is the when you look at the difference between the Democrat operation, and I mean, you know, beyond just the DNC, but their whole operation of the left and the right, the, the left wants to win. And the right has a bunch of individuals who want to get rich. And if they win, too, that's cool. I, I think that's a, a really uh, sad but accurate summation of where things stand between the two parties. Um, you know, one of those issues you mentioned that Democrats are going to try to make this about is abortion. And we see them trying to get abortion on the ballot in swing states to turn out women, to turn out young people. How big of a concern is that for Republicans? And then, you know, how much of a galvanizing issue has this been in, in recent elections? I think it's been a, a big issue. Uh, in 2022, the ruling was so new. And so the scare tactics worked. You know, you had a few states rushing immediately to try to make abortion, abortion illegal. And so all of the things they said would happen started to happen. And this idea of uh, that everything is falling apart uh, for those who believe in uh, ha having legal legalized abortion, some of some all the way up to uh, third trimester and beyond with partial birth, those people felt like that, you know, the sky was falling and, and they felt like a need to go vote. And, and I think it settled out a little bit more because some of these, you know, some of these states have already dealt with this. 
uh, you know, whether it's Michigan or Ohio, it's already been dealt with. And so I, I don't expect it to see a big impact there. And I do believe that on states where it is on the ballot, it could have an impact just as as having, you know, uh, marriage on the ballot in 2004 is probably uh, the direct re- relation to the fact that uh, Bush won again. I don't know that he would have won again if that were not uh, kind of a, a big effort that swept the nation on turning out people uh, to defend uh, traditional marriage. So I think these these outside factors can affect elections. So I think that this battle about uh, putting things on the ballot is, 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 is a smart one for the Democrats, and it's one that the Republicans are going to be forced to start uh, dealing with this. And the thing is, Republicans, when they deliver the message right, they don't lose. But when the Democrats outspend you two to one, like, well, what would just happen in Virginia? You had Youngkin doing a great job, but he was fighting the entire Democrat Party. He lamented that he couldn't get any money out of the Republican Party. I mean, so you know, why should one governor have to raise enough money with his PACs and everything else to fight for his entire state in an election that the country is looking at and the Republican Party sit on the side? They weren't going to lose. Um, look what happened in Mississippi. They weren't going to lose in Mississippi or Louisiana. So where were all the resources? Why were they not Why were they partnering with him the same way the Democrats partnered with the other side? So when the Republicans get outspent, then our message doesn't get heard. You know, we need when the Republicans talk about abortion restrictions and 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 small limits on abortion, that you know they win. When they talk about things that seem reasonable, but when the when the word abortion ban is the beginning the beginning of the sentence, then it really doesn't matter what is at the end of it. So when the media says the Republicans advocate an abortion ban beyond you know fifteen weeks. That all, they, all people hear is the word ban, you know, but when, they, when the other side says we're just talking about a reasonable restriction on abortion and, and you know, making sure after, you know, a heartbeat or, or 15 weeks or whatever line they put, that has a greater impact and people go, well, that doesn't sound unreasonable. But again, it doesn't really matter if one message trounces the other one because of resources. And our, our problem is really a resource message and message problem is we just not getting this message out uh, because the Republicans are not dedicating the resources and are, and are not as all in as the Democrats are. Uh, you know, this is an existential election for the Democrat, but not really so much the Democrat, but the extreme left knows if they don't win this time, that their entire agenda now having been exposed, that they're done, that they're done with the radicalism and the Democrat Party may may go back in the hands of reasonable people. And, and they fear this. I mean, the extreme left fears this, the, the, this, this being exposed. And so I, I think that, you know, they're more all in uh, in many ways than, than the conservative uh, apparatuses, not not the conservative voters, but the conservative apparatus. We'll take a quick commercial break. More with Robert on the other side. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. One thing that concerns me when we talk about resources, and I've expressed this concern before, is, you know, part of what the Democrats' strategy is, is to tie Trump up with all these indictments, to tie him up, to have to be at these court hearings, to tie him up financially where he's directing his money towards defending himself legally as opposed to spending it on the campaign. What kind of wild card do you think these indictments are? And, you know, how do you think that that could potentially play out among the electorate? Well, let me give you an example. You have Iowa. While DeSantis was proud that he went to all 99 counties and talked about all 99 counties, guess what? Your average Trump voters, when you, if you ask them, what do you think about DeSantis going to all these counties and doing all this work and Trump not being here as much, you know what they say? Well, Trump's tied up with his legal stuff. It actually kind of works to Trump's benefit. Every time Trump isn't somewhere, can't do something that they want him to do, that there's an understanding of, well, you know, he's distracted with all this. So it kind of, and, and, and all these things have, the piling on is what has given Trump the strength that he has. I mean, they have really underestimated this. They, they have created almost a Nelson Mellon, Nelson Mandela style persecution uh, of Trump and, you know, to, put, to actually try to put him in jail is only going to do more to enrage his supporters and to turn out people that you just can't imagine. Do you think that will because I, I agree with you in the way that it's with Republicans and, and conservatives who obviously, you know, have a lot of grave concerns about the weaponization of government. But do you think that will be the same with independence and, and trying to win over moderates? The fact that he's doing as well as he's doing with the African-American vote and the Hispanic vote and the young vote tells me that, yes, uh, the people people can see something that's ridiculous. I mean, how, how can you watch 
mainstream media, as pushy as it is against something, and still be supportive of Trump? How, how can an African-American voter in inner city Atlanta exposed to all the things they're exposed to and all the messages they get, whether it be social media or TV or radio or you know what they read, how, how can they have all this message and still consider Trump? And the fact is, they're not people in general aren't buying it. It is, you know, I, I said a few years ago that I, what my fear is, is that we were on the way to becoming like North Korea and Iran, where people know that what they see on the television isn't true. And so their skepticism grows as all these attacks happen. And so a lot of these voters that we're talking about are those middle voters, those voters who maybe voted for Obama and then Trump and then back back to Biden because they you know, thought that Trump was bad and they realized, oh, wait a minute. Now, this this that wasn't quite what we thought it was. And so you can tell people something all day. You can scream it in their ear. But if their life experience is different than what you tell them, they're going to what their life experience is. And, and they remember what their life was like under Trump and they know what their life is like now. And so all, all these attacks don't move them as much. And it really adds credence to what Trump is saying is that they're out to get me because I want to get I want to bring things back to you the way they work. That makes sense. It's comforting. On that note, and and talking about well, actually, you had mentioned you know young people and and minorities. What sort of groups do you think might surprise us this election cycle? Well, I think it's definitely young people. There, there's definitely been a, a, a move. You know. You see it as almost generational. People want to kind of rebel against what their parents are doing. And that, you know, now as we start to see the, uh, you know, the Gen Z's are, are starting to have their own kids and, and some of their kids are really rebelling, going back conservative uh, in spite of what what the parents think. And so there's there's a movement uh, kind of reminiscent of what I remember when I was in school. Uh, you know, we were able to get, you know, little teenage Republican branches going and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, for a while now, that's kind of dwindled away. And, and I see that coming back, you know. So I think that the young people are going to surprise uh, folks because they're starting to realize that, that what they're getting with all of the mainstream messaging isn't real but these guys are connected in a different way. You know, their connection and you know, what you look at the kind of the podcast and the videos they're watching and they're seeing there's another side and they're exposed to things they never thought, messages they never heard. And so I think it's, it, it's captivating to a lot of them and, and, and to see all of the uh, attention and, and attacks that are going on this one guy. It's like, you know, you can only you can only beat somebody so many times in in the Coliseum before you start getting some sympathy from some of the people, uh, some of the spectators. That's the way I would describe it. And and it's like it, it just comes a point. If you remember, like, and I know this is a movie, but remember how Rocky was getting beat up so much uh, that even some and still surviving and hanging in that even some of the Russian fans started to cheer for him. 
you know, while that was a movie, that is a real thing. And I, and I, and I think that you, that kind of mentality you're seeing with some of these young people now. That's really interesting. You know, I mean, it's true. I mean, Trump is a, a beast that I, I think, you know, unlike anyone else in the sense of he, he seems to somehow be able to withstand, you know, almost everything that would, you know, obviously break most people. Uh, I mean, I don't think many people could face 91 indictments without breaking down. I, I don't think I could do it. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it's just like, you know, he's just a unique entity and politics and just life. You know, what are some of the big, big issues that you think are just passionately driving the electorate? One thing's for sure is, the is I think, a, an out front issue is the border. People are now recognizing just how destabilizing it is to the entire country uh, to have this open border and to have um, all these, these these folks that that are coming in there that are not being vetted properly. Uh, and we're talking I mean, we're talking about the vast majority of Americans. Uh, you know, not, they're not against immigration. They're not against legal immigration. As a matter of fact, most most people are pro immigration. They understand it is America's strength. But it has to be orderly, and it, it and what they're seeing is all these resources being spent for these people that are coming into the country, while while so many of those resources are not being spent on other people. You know, the, the stories about the kids who can't go to school in New York. Uh, you know, the stories about um, homeless veterans that aren't getting the attention and funding they need. All of these things that are, that are out there because of uh, migration uh, coming into the country, and and people are overwhelming cities. I mean, they this is this is a very motivational thing, and almost everybody now can point to someone they know that ha- has died um, from uh, an overdose or, or some kind of exposure to fentanyl, and. That is so easily tied back to this uh, uh, illegal immigration and people coming in and smuggling things in as they come in. And so I think that is probably the, the most the strongest issue on the surface, uh, followed closely and quickly by the economy. Uh, while everybody's affected by immigration, not everybody's affected in the same way about the economy. So for some people, you know, the increase in prices uh, at is just an inconvenience, but for some people, it, it it has put their their family and their survival on the edge. I mean, the number of defaults we're seeing on credit cards and 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 and, uh, and car loans, and and the number of people who are using these credit cards to simply buy groceries, it, it's out of control. And and those people, they don't they don't see any hope. Unless they change, you know, the head of the, the head of the government, because uh, you know they say that people, you know, sometimes fairly and unfairly blame the president for the economy, but you know this this president, it, it's a little more fair to blame him. I mean, what he's done simply with energy and and with spending is enough to devastate the economy and increase inflation uh, to a point where the you know the only choice that the, the Fed had to do. Was was to raise interest rates to try to try, try to solve the problem, which which has certainly compounded the problem for so many of these folks who you know can't even uh, you know, uh, afford to refinance a home or any or access any equity or anything. 
to kind of get through this rough patch. So I think the economy is second um, at, only because it doesn't affect everybody equally. But I think other issues that are bubbling up is is the real fear, and I think we haven't seen this. You know, certainly people in my generation and beyond don't ever remember being scared um, scared of another country, uh, scared of a possible war. I mean, you know, we kind of grew up, you know, after the moon landing and where America was on top. With, there wasn't any real fear that America was going to lose to Russia, I mean, to the Soviet Union at that point. And so there wasn't really a fear of a world war. Well, you know, they see Russia and China get together, and for the first time we see the makings of uh, a coalition that, that could actually defeat us, and it is scary. And then it, kind of a backdrop is this fear that we actually could be headed to a war. So it's like, you know, we, 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 got, we had an invasion on our borders. We've got uh, an economy that it that is that is failing for for you know millions of people, and in the back of people's minds, we we might be headed to a, a world war. So I think these things are the issues that that are real. Uh, we see this in polling that are, that are bubbling up as real concerns. They're real concerns that you know I think all of us share. You'd have to be you know blind or just you know ignorant to not see that things have taken a major downturn for the worse uh, on, you know, pretty much all fronts and especially the ones that you just laid out. You know, Robert, as we continue to watch, as we move forward with this election cycle, uh, what should people listening, you know, what should we be looking for? What should we be keeping an eye on? Well, I think you should be keeping an eye on one, uh, the difference uh, between the two organizations. When you talk about the conservative apparatus and, and the left, uh, you'll watch very soon uh, the ramping up of major efforts to uh, put in place uh, and reactivate ballot harvesting apparatus. I mean, I'll give you one example. What I saw in Georgia firsthand uh, when I was watching the way the election was unfolding down there, I mean, it was the Democrats... And the difference between the Democrat and Republicans was just vast. The Democrats sent in a thousand operatives through the state of Georgia that were going to people person to person, working with them. For midterms or 2020, just to be clear? Midterms, midterms for for basically the Senate race uh, and, and the runoffs in 2021 for the 2020. Uh, those two races, so, you know, irrespective of the presidential race. Uh, so these guys, these operatives were on the ground, one-to-one, working with people, showing them how to go to their friends and, and build an apparatus where they go and they, they have this thing they work with their cell phone and plug in for them to make sure all the people who are in their cell phone contact list voted. I mean, this is the kind of one-to-one campaign that when we used to do campaigns, we've trained people to do. That there's nothing more personal, no more powerful than a person you know reaching out to you. Well, just imagine how, how that happens when you have this many operatives who then deputize this many people that then they oversee to make sure they are working their, their groups. And the Republicans, you know, run some ads, send out a mailer or two. 
I mean, there's just no competition. There's no comparison. These people fund real grassroots. And so you'll see those differences starting to take place in battleground states. We saw it in 2020. And in 2022, we saw it in every state with a U.S. Senate race. Not every state, but every state with U.S. Senate race. What I like to, to point out is in 2022, there was a red wave. And in the states where they did not build the blue wall and, and the blue apparatus came in uh, for the grassroots, we saw the red wave working. You know, we saw it in uh, even in even in New York. They didn't realize until the last minute New York was a problem. They didn't build it in New York. So they were freaking out. But they but they built that thing in Arizona. They built it in Nevada. They built it in Georgia. They built it in Wisconsin and they were ready. And so that's what I think will be the biggest indicator that you'll start to see that this thing is owned. And, and the Republican Party at this point, the conservative movement, has no answer for this, ha- has no corresponding organization to put in place. And so I think you'll see that start to happen. You'll see the messaging start to happen. And you'll see new, you know, new, new fear tactics. Uh, there'll be a, a big push to kind of abandon some of the rules again and, and loosen up some of the election laws. I mean, so the, they, they, will, they will play as if they have nothing, nothing to lose, that they, they, they're going to lay it all on the line. And so and, you, and you'll see, as usual, uh, you know, a few conservative oligarchs uh, siphoning off all the money and directing it to their friends and, and, and family for uh, for operations that are that are incompetent at, at, at worst and ineffective at best and and you'll see the you know the divide start so while I believe the issues the real issues are on the side of, of the of the right and I believe the uh, voters are on the side of the right that is that will not compare to what they're doing. And so this will be a very competitive election and it'll, you know, it'll kind of be a street fight. Quick break. More on the upcoming election. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Real quick before we go, um, does the threat to democracy narrative play out well? Is that effective, what Biden's trying to do with that? One of the things that I used to say when I was a consultant was, the two biggest mistakes in politics is looking at a campaign and assuming the side that won did everything right and the side that lost did everything wrong. And I think that in 2022, uh, some of the Democrats' victories had a lot more to do with this apparatus and this work they did and, uh, and, the, and the fear tactics of the abortion argument. And they really misunderstood and thought the threat democracy stuff was real. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with exit polls that said it was real. But, you know, my thought of, of exit polls are they're junk because I'm always a believer that person to person, people will tell you what they think you want to hear and not what they're ashamed to admit is driving them. And if you think that's bad on the telephone, how bad is that standing in front of somebody with a clipboard? They might be voting on something else and, and tell you. You know, if you ask some rank issues, that that's what it is. So I, I don't really buy that. I, I, I don't think it was a real uh, effective argument then. And, you know, the real I think that when the uh, Trump or somebody else on the right says, well, the real threat to democracy is destabilizing the economy, locking up political uh, opponents uh, of uh, a border that's un- uncontrolled and and weakness that invites aggression from the other side. Uh I think the conservative side can make the case that, that that's a greater threat to democracy and this is not a real argument. It's not showing up in polling either uh, compared to all the other threats out there. But don't get me wrong, you get the, enough operatives and enough messaging saying it's, it's a threat, they can create something that isn't there uh, if it's not answered. Oh, that's a good point. You know, then it's also just ironic that they're saying it's a threat to democracy while demanding he's removed from the ballot states. It's like, it's like, uh, this does not track. Uh, Robert Colley. Yeah. And what's a greater threat to democracy than losing a world war? Yeah. Well, God, I, it's, you know, it really is, uh, you know, as we kind of just walk through everything facing us right now, it's a sad state of affairs. And, uh, you know, just really pray that uh, we can deny Joe Biden another four years and, you know, get Trump in the White House because we can't continue on this trajectory. Robert Cawley, you're awesome. Congrats on nailing Iowa and would love to have you back on as we uh, go throughout the election cycle to get your input and get your insight. Sounds good. It's, it's always a pleasure to uh, to join you and uh, to, to speak to your uh, very tuned in and uh, engaged audience. That was Robert Kahali with the Trafalgar Group. Always love hearing his insight. He always has so many uh, just interesting and really insightful things to say. I want to thank you guys at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio for putting the show together. Until next time. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rival, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 